we're back, episode two of the NBA Clinic 2019-2020 season. Last episode, we gave y'all the Western Conference. We're back once again to give y'all the Eastern Conference, try to balance it out, make sure that y'all are focused on everything that's happening around the league, even when it comes to the little brother of the NBA conferences. Let's be honest, the Eastern Conference, it's not matching up in terms of talent or drama like the western conference but it's still got a lot of great basketball and a lot of great teams and a lot of great talent yeah you know what it is it's your boy steros we back we know we we've been holding out on y'all but yeah we back it's a great season 2019 2020 season yeah we covering the eastern conference this time episode two and we here and with that being said steros where do you want to get started at i guess we just gotta go from the the top and like the surprise of the Celtics. Does Kyrie just make teams worse? Ah. Cause he left, you replace him with Kimba, and it just looks like all the problems that they had last year just were fixed. And they're playing really good team ball. Or, but that's another thing that I thought about. Is it Kyrie or is it Brad Stevens? Can Brad Stevens not coach a superstar? Does he need like just a bunch of like ragtag type of dudes like who are like ours? Very good at like one thing basically. Like you got Jason Tatum, who's a who really good scorer. You got Jalen Brown, who's a little bit all around. You got Marcus Spark, who's good at his couple things, and he just knows how to put everybody together. As long as you don't, as long as he doesn't have that like overarching superstar, he somehow just always knows how to create the best team possible. It could be a bit of both, right? And we'll we'll get to Kyrie and the Nets later on in this podcast, but my belief is like yeah, it's a little bit of both. Like it's it's Brad Stevens needing maybe maybe I won't phrase it as superstar players like you are, but maybe I think Brad Stevens needs players that are willing to be coached, willing to actually play a role like if Brad Stevens just draws up a play, he wants to make sure that the play is going to get ran. And like when you're Kyrie Irving and you've won a championship already and you've been this like perennial all-star talent, it's it's difficult to listen to some just white dude out of Indiana, even though Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach, did an amazing job. Butler obviously did an amazing job his rookie season as a coach for the Celtics um, and is a great coach. There's no way getting around that. But, you know, a lot of these NBA players, especially when you're as talented as Kyrie, it's tough not to have that ego and that will to just you know carry a team on your own so i mean it definitely could be a mix of both but going back to what you're saying from earlier that switch of kemba from Kyrie isn't necessarily about what would happen in terms of switching out talent it seems like the talent is very similar and the skills are very similar but more of a cultural fit is what makes kemba the better sell for the celtics i guess he just gels so well he doesn't try to be the star of the show he's not looking Uh, to build upon a legacy he's just trying to grow something organically with a good group of guys and honestly considering the organizational hellhole that he was in uh in regards to the charlotte hornets before they got their new gm uh who was the lakers old gm for a really long time was his name mitch kupchak yeah when they had like richard cho as the president like the hornets sucked so like i mean obviously when you take a star out of a really shitty situation um that star is going to be grateful and the celtics were just lucky to get out of Kyrie in that whole situation so it just seems like both of them 
are coming in broken and they're fixing each other and it's a great thing to see yeah i i gotta agree i i definitely did not expect this from this celtics team not this early for them to just be gelling the way they are and playing the type of basketball they are having the best record in the east i don't know if it's going to be sustainable throughout the whole year because you still got to deal with the 76ers the bucks the heat looking nice in the east i, I i'm glad to see it it's going to make it a little bit more watchable as far as the east because, I mean, it's still all about the Western Conference. Thanks. That's where that's where all the monster teams are. So, I mean, whoever wins the West is going to win the, the NBA championship, in my opinion. But it is definitely nice to see that the East is going to at least be um, competitive. Because I, 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 I kind of thought it was just going to be the Bucks and the 76ers and nobody else really in the East this year. But with the Celtics emerging and the Heat emerging, it could make for an interesting um, Eastern Conference playoffs later down the line. There's a couple of things I want to talk about in regards to the Celtics because it's so much more than, than just Kemba Walker and Brad Stevens. First of all, Jason Tatum is finally being able to take on the role that he's always wanted to take on in peace, which is to be, in a lot of ways, the alpha of the team. It makes sense. He's a prototypical score got a great fit for just being a dominant player in this league the guys like 610 something like that right 69610 is amazingly long arms loves shooting the basketball is obsessed with the game he's a gym rat like ever since we saw him dunk on lebron in the fourth quarter of um you know Celtics Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals like you could tell like he was built to be the alpha like and it's great to see him finally kind of take on uh, that role the long twos are still there Jason Tatum doesn't give a fuck he's still taking them but um, he's gotten a lot better at picking his spots and he definitely has done a better job of trying to move the ball a lot more when he doesn't have an open shot available and he's making way way more effort on cutting to the basket which is what he was doing his rookie season and that's why everybody loved him his rookie season and he's gotten back to that and it's been really nice because he has uh, somebody like Kemba Walker or Gordon Hayward on some occasions uh, running the ball down the floor so he can actually be ready to receive the ball uh, when he cuts to the basket. I, I do love to see uh, Jason, but I got to say it has been nice to see the old uh, Gordon Hayward come back this season before he got hurt, unfortunately. Yeah. He, so he's going to be out for, but we hadn't seen this Gordon Hayward play like the way he's been playing all last season. It looks like he's finally back to where he was when he was with the Jazz and he was all-star caliber. So that's definitely nice to see, especially him being the Indiana boy uh, coming coming from the hometown. It's nice to see him doing his thing again, once again. Yeah, and talk about the Gordon Hayward to Brad Stevens-Butler connection. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's going to pay dividends during the playoffs. That's that's some real Indiana love right there. Yeah, they uh, they just know, they just gel together, for real, for like, he just knows how to get the best out of Gordon. And we haven't even, you know, seen the maximum potential of what that's going to be yet. I feel like that's going to be a special treat we can look forward to in the playoffs. Yeah, most definitely. I agree with that. It seems that the Celtics have done really, really well for themselves in terms of the forward position. You look at what they have and they're just a deep gordon hayward jason tatum jalen brown but then there's apparent weaknesses to me about this celtics team that makes me feel like making this prediction the boston celtics are going to be a great regular season team for the rest of the season but they're not going to be able to make noise in the playoffs because they are lacking 
at the center position. I feel like Kemba will carry him in the point guard position. He'll have to play heavy minutes. They're stacked on forwards. But then when it comes to that big center position, that hole is going to be missing. Because when I look at it... Oh, by the way, shout out Daniel Tyus. Tyus? I don't, I don't know how to pronounce the dude's last name, but he has been doing a great job on defense, and that man has been fucking cleaning the glass the past week and a half, uh, doing all the dirty work that uh, Aaron Baines used to do on this team, who we definitely gave uh, a shout-out and a lot of love to on the last podcast. He's killing it on the Suns. Um, Daniel Tice really stepping in and uh, doing a great job as a role player, but I don't know if he's going to really be a stopper on Joel Embiid. You know what I mean? And when you look... In terms of depth at the center position for the Celtics, they have Tice, and then they have Inez Cantor, who is just always getting cooked on the defensive end. Like that's all. Listen, as as a as a as a Knicks fan, I've seen unfortunately a lot of minutes of Inez Cantor, and let me tell you, it's not looking pretty defensively. That boy's on skates. Unless Brad Stevens plans to do this small ball lineup into the playoffs and play heavy minutes off of that, where you got. You know, Tatum, Gordon Hayward, and Jalen Brown in there at the same time. This could get tricky during the playoffs. Having a liability on the defensive end and not being able to have a rim protector, especially at the center position, that's definitely going to hurt. Teams are going to be able to get into the paint and and probably just going to draw fouls and like run run um, run up the foul game, so they'll be on the foul line a lot, just getting easy points. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely could see how. That's going to hinder their ability to stop teams, especially in the postseason when stops are going to be critical. Absolutely. And especially especially in the East when you're going up against some good defensive teams like the Bucks and the 76ers yeah. and the Heat. Yeah. Like it's going to be hard if you can't stop them, but they can stop you. That's just going to spell trouble for them. Oh, for sure. But when it comes to coaching, I will say that the Celtics – Probably they they definitely have a top three Eastern Conference coach and a coach is so underrated when it comes to winning games in the playoffs. So I mean, really looking forward to see what Brad Stevens can do with this squad, but we'll see what it goes from there because you can have an All Star center like the Sixers do right now with Joel Embiid, but if Brett Brown is your fucking coach, I don't know if you're gonna be able to get to where you want to go. I mean, but also Embiid, he's always. He just seems to always be hurt, but I definitely got to agree. Bear Brown is definitely not the best coach. I don't, I don't know what it is because he has all the time in the world. It just seems like his schemes and his decision making is just isn't the best. Yeah, it's. I've seen way too many playoff series of just him getting out coached, and I really think about the Raptors series, man. I really think about that Raptors series last year, and everybody did their best. Like, Joel Embiid did their best, and, you know, we should have known something when Jimmy Butler came into the team immediately and was just like, yo, fuck this coach off the rip. We should have been like, ah, Jimmy Butler might be a bit of a dick, but he's a pretty honest guy, and, uh, I mean, we definitely saw it in that Raptors series, because I, I feel like if there was better coaching, they probably would have won that series. Like, and this year, the talent is there for this Sixers team. Like, it, it is definitely there. Even with Ben Simmons not hitting that many three-point shots. Like, this team is that freaking dominant physically. And they play very, very well in terms of passing the ball. Like, this Sixers team, they for sure have underperformed. Like, I feel like I'm way higher on the Sixers than most other people. Like, they're actually very, very switchable, like, which is very strange. Like, I always thought it was impossible to really get a team where you could just have just switchable forwards out there the whole time. 
But the Sixers are trying to go for that without like being able to shoot really well from from deep, and they're somehow being able to pull it off. Like I just feel like this year in general, basketball has gotten a lot more physical than it's usually been, and uh, because of that, the Sixers have been benefiting off of that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I haven't been able to watch too many Sixers games. I I do gotta say I am happy that uh, Ben Simmons has finally hit a three in the NBA game. He's still not really taking them, which is not. What I like to see, especially after showing all those videos and whatnot, showing him in the gym practicing, he still doesn't have the confidence to just take him when he's open yet. So I definitely would like to see that development. That's one thing I think I got to say. I don't think Brett Brown does a very good job of developing players. He kind of just is throwing them out there, letting them do what they want. He's not. I don't think he's really encouraging them or like yeah. – Putting the confidence, because I, I don't know how you, because you've seen he put the work in, so I don't know how you just, especially in the preseason games, just be like, hey, Ben, take as many threes as you get the chance to. Yeah, especially if you're playing against a bad team. Like, as a coach, I would just walk up and just be like, hey, we don't even care about winning this game. Like, just go out there and take threes. Just, like, go out there and practice these shots and these plays. And, like, we need to get you ready for the playoffs. So we need to practice this shit now. And it just seems like Brett Brown just never does a good job of giving his players, like, the right guidance. Because, I mean, also with Joel Embiid, like, I know he could take some threes, but sometimes he gets three happy. Yo, definitely. And he's just out there standing. Like, you don't want him just standing at the three-point line all game and that's the thing i don't think the rest of the staff is that bad as far as the coaching staff i think the coaching staff overall is solid it's just the head coach it doesn't seem like he really has control of the players so how far you think you you see this team getting just um from the bit just like a beginning of the season prediction ah before we really know anything i think that the sixers will get bounced out in the second round of the playoffs ah so they will not make it to Eastern Conference Finals. I think it depends on matchups. I see them getting to the Eastern Conference Finals because I don't really, I can't see any team really besides the Bucks beating them in a seven-game series. Oh, bro, I got a hot especially, take. I got a hot take. Check this out. I mean, okay. I was gonna save no. this for later, but what if I told you? that the Raptors could still beat the Sixers team. I mean, I think it's possible, but I I, I don't know. What's his name might be the most improved player again? What, Pascal Siakam? Yeah, but... That boy, nice. I don't know if he, without the help of Kawhi, I don't know if he can do it by himself. Because, I mean, they still was a good, nice one-two punch last year when he had Kawhi. Correct. But, I mean, Fred, Fred Van Vliet has also been balling. He stepped up his game, so... And OG Ananobi is finally healthy after last season, so like. So I mean, yeah, they they definitely got a lot of pieces. Where I mean, I see it. I I, I kind of I can kind of agree with that statement. I I can see that happening. Yeah, I'm not saying it will happen, but I'm just saying like it's there's there's shaky situations. There's too many what ifs with the Sixers that makes me just believe that. They're not shoo-ins to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's like, I don't know. It's it's an unconventional thought, and we'll, but we'll see how it plays out. It's not just the Raptors. You know, like, what if the Celtics really just get hot? You know what I mean? Because, like, if they roll out a small ball lineup, like, and Brad Stevens just fucking coaches the Sixers team under the table, like, let's be honest, Brett Stevens versus Brett Brown. Every single time they've matched up, Brad Stevens has done a way better job than him coaching. Like, even, even the Pacers, bro, they get Depot back and Depot gets hot. 
Pacers are still nice too. Like I don't know. Like they, they. It, it's not just getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's like who they would most likely have to play in the first and the second rounds. Like if you get like Pacers and then you have to pay play the Celtics, or you get Pacers and then Raptors. Like that's that's a rough first two rounds. Yeah, that's one thing I I do want to see. I want to see a fully healthy Pacers team because TJ Warren has been balling out, and I, I definitely did not see that coming. And then uh, Sabonis is very nice. They still got Miles Turner. They just got a nice solid team. And when you put the star back on the team, I'm very interested to see how that's going to um, end up as a fro- finished product. That man is probably the closest thing in terms of game that we got to Dwayne Wade since Dwayne Wade has left, and I feel like that's the perfect fit with this Pacers team. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree with that. The way they're playing without Oladipo just makes it even that much better, and they're very well coached. Like Their coach, I forget his name, but he, I think, he is one of the most underrated coaches. Nate McMillan? In the NBA, yeah. He's one of the most underrated coaches in the NBA to me. Because every year he's been their coach, they've always had a very solid squad. And they always, like, finish around fourth or fifth. Yeah, he's amazing. He used to coach the Blazers in the 90s or something like that. But yeah, man. Okay, so we talked the Pacers, Sixers. I guess we've done some mentions of the Raptors. Hey, shouts out Markel Fultz, bro. Oh, yeah. It's nice to see. <laughs> that is definitely nice to see. For a number one pick that we thought was going to be a freaking bust, he finally actually is doing something. He still probably was way overdrafted, probably. Oh, for sure. But It's nice to actually see some production coming from him. And the Magic, they low-key got a, a little squad. I mean, the best I think they could do is like a 7th or 8th seed, possibly, in the East. But... It's still nice to see the Magic doing something, especially because when we was growing up, they True. always had some nice squads back in the day, like when they had Shaq and when they had uh, Tracy McGrady and yep. then they had the Dwight Howard years. Those are some very good teams, so it's just nice to see the Orlando Magic making some noise again. And, I mean, Markel Fultz is exactly what they needed, which is just a dynamic guard. Oh, I remember the team. The, the next thing I want to talk about was the Heat. Oh, yes. Let's go to Miami. Let's talk about the Heat. I didn't know that the Heat was this good at drafting young talent. Like, did, did they make, like, a change in their front office position? Because, like, the past three years, they've been drafting really, really good players. Like, I don't think so. I think Pat Riley, uh, I mean, he's just doing his thing. Yeah, man. I should have never doubted the Don. Yeah, I, they definitely had maybe the best draft out of anybody. Um, they got freaking Kendrick Nunn, who came from the G League, and he, he's been a great rookie for them. Tyler Hero, he definitely yeah. passed my expectations for what he could do. He could possibly end up being the rookie of the year, either one of those two, if they keep playing the way they've been playing. And then Bam Adebayo, he's only been in the league for, like, what is it, three years now? Yeah, this is the third He's shining now. He's shooting 60% from the field. And then, like, like I said, Jimmy Butler, he's averaging 6.7 assists per game. So you can tell that he's actually going out there being a playmaker and not just giving you buckets. You know what, Sterling? I'm a money man. And because of that, I got to see what this payroll is like. Considering how well they've done with young talent, the only player that they really should be paying right now should just be Jimmy Butler. If 2020 ends up shaking and it ends up becoming a really good uh, free agent class randomly out of nowhere, like the Heat are positioned to make a lot of noise half of their freaking roster is coming off the books for this season 
they're going to be free with so much cap space for next season. So, like, this year, they only have $103 million guaranteed dollars on the books right now. So, they're under the cap. Jimmy Butler is getting paid the most at 32 But then after that, it's Goran Dragic at $19 million. And, like, his contract is done this year. It's, like, expiring this year. Uh, after that, they got James Johnson, who's expiring this year. Then they still got Justice Winslow's contract, which is actually, I mean, like, I feel like it's going to be pretty good. $13 million, like, that's pretty good for next year. <laughs> they still got Deion Waiters, Mr. Gummy Bear himself. <laughs> he didn't snitch, though. Yeah, he never snitched, man. That's a real one right there. UD still on the team? Apparently, bro, I swear, man, at 39, right now, he is signed to a expiring deal, but he's getting paid $2.5 million right now by the Miami Heat at the age of 39. Man, shout out to Udonis Haslam. That man's been in the league forever. Just still getting this paycheck and not having to play. It's great to see. What better veteran could you want in your locker room than Udonis Haslam, honestly? The guy is low-key the king of Miami. Yeah. I mean, he's been there so long. Probably He definitely has to know everybody. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, they, they, they got a whole squad. Like, I forgot about Justice Winslow. He's out right now. But when he's playing well, they got a very nice, especially defensively in my opinion, with Justice Winslow, Jimmy Butler, Bam. I'm not really sure about what Myers Leonard is. Oh, he's been nice this season. Weirdly enough, I've actually seen a couple of games and minutes and, and stretches. And if anything, I feel like the Blazers are missing him. Like, I feel like he was... Like, the way he's playing on the Heat right now is the way he should have always been playing on the Blazers. It's nice to see. It's, it's always nice to see somebody go to a new environment and ball out. I mean, but I think that's what some players just need sometimes. They just need to be in a new system, new environment around new people in order to actually... Yeah, in order to actually perform to their best of their abilities. So now that we're done talking about the Heat, the Brooklyn Nets, this team, are they are they playing better without Kyrie? Uh, I think the sample size right now is too small. That's what it seems to be. They've been getting wins since he's been gone. It's It always seems like when Kyrie is not on the team, the ball's going to flow better. Um, more people are going to get shots. But I, I I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to say that. But one thing I do got to say, surprise, surprise, today, something that I did not see is Jared Allen, their center, had 22 points and 21 rebounds. I've been waiting for I that. I just point that I've out. I've been waiting for that. It was against the Cavaliers, but he had... I haven't really seen him doing anything for the team this year, so that's great to see. Yeah, because if he gets it, because if they get the center going as well as all the other pieces they have, yeah, this team could be dangerous. And I love the Amon Shepard signing; that was great. I always love to see Amon Shepard on the floor. That's my dude. Oh, of course. So of I'm course. glad they picked him up. Bro, twenty one Shum Street. Make this team more exciting. Twenty one Shum Street's back in New York, baby. That makes me as a, as a, as a Knicks fan, bro. For a little while, I had a Shump jersey. The wife is happy because Tiana Taylor's from New York. You feel me? So this man is out here balling, giving you great minutes. And Jerry Allen, I'm glad you brought him up, Sterling. Because honestly, I felt like he was the most underrated net last season. Motherfuckers was talking about Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie. But nah, man, Jerry Allen was out here giving you cool, easy 20 and 10s last season. Especially towards the end. And like now... I was waiting. I was waiting for him to pop off because he was having like like a pretty weak game, like a weak season starting off. It was like under the expectations that I really, really had for him. And now it's just like, yes, his moment to shine is finally here. And 
everything is just gelling at the perfect time. And if Kyrie is able to come back organically, maybe all these problems will be fixed. But yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you, Sterling. Like, it's too early to say that the Nets are playing better without Kyrie. But I think that they are definitely thriving off of not having to play in isolation. And it's tough to be involved in the game when you have one player doing just long time isolation play, regardless of how good that player is. Like, I mean, Kawhi even falls at fault to this sometimes on the Clippers too, with very rare moments. So like, it doesn't matter how good of a basketball player you are. Like if you tend to do most of the stuff um, not even most of the stuff. If you tend to score the ball in isolation over an extended period of time, it's going to isolate players, which are going to make them worse over time just because they're not playing basketball as much. Uh, harping on uh, Allen, is that man is not afraid to challenge anybody at the rim. That's one thing I love about him. Oh, yeah. If you're going up the rim, he's going up to try to block you no matter who you are, what your reputation is. It don't matter. Sure. He don't care. He don't think anybody's going to dunk on him. And that's, I just love to see the competitiveness. When you're trying to block everything, that's fearless. And I love that. Mitchell Robinson is also like that on the New York Knicks. You didn't think I was going to fucking bring him up in the Eastern Conference? Even though they're arguably the worst team ever. It makes me want to fucking just cry tears of pain every single day. But no, I don't. That's right, baby. The Knicks are still last place. But let me tell you something. Bobby Portis... Looks like a serial killer, and I like it. There's something about this team. It's just, it, we knew we were going to be bad, but we went all in on just fucking wild-ass aggressive energy, and I like it, man. I like it. Marcus Morris is just trying to punch people with balls. Like, he's literally gripping the basketball and smacking motherfuckers in the face. Yo, Frank the Tank, all he does is play defense. He does not know how to score the basketball, and I'm cool with that. Fucking Kevin Knox, so much potential. Ah, we gonna be good someday. Yeah. God damn it, James Dolan, just sell the fucking team. What else do you, what else do you want from humanity? Why do you still own them? There's no point. You have all of the money in the world. Why? You could be doing literally anything else, anything else you'd be better at than owning the New York Knicks. Could you just please not? I will say they have set themselves up very nicely as far as having the cap space and having a lot What's of What's the point? Ah, don't, don't talk to me about cap space. Don't Listen, we had cap space last season. We're always going to have cap space. Who is going to come? Who is going to come? We had all the cap space in the world, and we couldn't get Kyrie, nor Kevin Durant, nor anybody else. They want a free agency. Who do we go and try to sign? Julius Randle. Like, that was the one. You know what I mean? That was our LeBron James, was Julius Randle. Why is the ceiling Julius Randle? It doesn't matter. The cap space is useless. I know it's only for two years of contract, but God damn it. It just hurts. Thank God RJ Barrett's here, but I also feel so bad for RJ Barrett. He doesn't deserve this. He's too good to just be put into such a shitty situation. He deserves better than this. But that's what that was the point I was trying to make. That was they 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 got the young talent as well. So eventually they can develop these players. So somebody will actually want to come and play with them. As far as Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett and uh, Neil Frank, true. And then I think Alonzo Trier is going to be a nice player. He's going to be a nice. I think he'll be a nice, very nice role player. He was great last year. I think he was he was he was slept on, especially coming out of college. So I think that, unfortunately, Dennis Smith Jr. hasn't been anything like he used to be. I'm sorry for you guys. You got uh, Ivan Rabb. He was a very high prospect coming out of high school and college. So 
who knows what he might turn into. I mean, I'm not high on him. I don't really know anything about him. <laughs> Alfred Payton balled out for a couple seasons, but he looks like he's done. Yeah. And Dennis Smith Jr., that's honestly, that's the thing that hurts me the most. Because it's like, he's there. You know, I feel like he was just put in a bad situation when he was on the Mavericks. I was like, maybe he just doesn't get well together with Rick Carlisle. And I was like, maybe, you know, if he's in it, He's in an environment that he'll he'll feel more comfortable in. He'll be able to really give us those offensive, aggressive Russell Westbrook like flashes that we always saw in NC State, and he just didn't give it to us. Yeah, same here. I, coming out of college, I was really high on him. I thought he was going to be one of the best players in his draft class. He was very explosive. Uh, he reminded me kind of uh, a younger. Derrick Rose, yeah. as far as his ability, he didn't have the greatest shot, but he was very explosive and he could get to the rim and drive by you. But unfortunately, I guess it didn't really translate in the NBA or something's just off with him, maybe. You know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with this topic. With the next next team, we got a uh, we got the Toronto Raptors. This team is fucking slept on. I know we're like, oh, they only won the championship last year because of Kawhi, but they pretty much have everybody back except Kawhi. That's still a team that's gonna make the playoffs. That's still a team that's gonna make noise in the playoffs. And most importantly, that's still a young team that won a championship early. And they have most of their players coming back, which means they're going to probably be better. And it's great to see because we're already seeing that. Like Pascal Siakam, like Sterling mentioned from before, he's just stepped it up to a complete other level. He's for sure going to be an all-star this year. Yeah, it's great to see. I mean, I think we all saw flashes last year, especially when uh, Kawhi would go out of the game and it'd just be him running the show. But it's great to see him by himself being able to keep up this product, like the production he had last year, plus adding to it. Yeah, and, and I, then, uh, and then I was just going to say, um, the man Fred Van Vliet. Yep. I love seeing what he's doing early on in the season. He was always a very solid player for him, and now it just looks like he stepped it up to a new level. Especially um, since they lost Kawhi, so I mean they needed that. And this team yeah, could be I'm very dangerous. Definitely, man. And if I'm a free agent, like going into 2020, I'm trying to sign with the Raptors. If if you're into cold weather, obviously, if you're not into cold weather, then probably go to the Western Conference, like most good players. But if you're if you're into cold weather, you should uh, you should probably check out the Raptors, man. Great championship winning organization. Probably the top three biggest markets in the league. Because you got LA, New York, and then Toronto's probably the third. Like, I can't think of another spot that's going to be bigger than that. Maybe San Francisco. Most importantly, Trinidadian bitches everywhere you go. Who says no? Who says no to that? Shouts out the islands, bro. Shouts out the islands. Barbados, the Dominican Republic, all of that. They do create beautiful women. Facts. Let's take a moment of silence just to appreciate Afro-Latino women. So the Washington Wizards. Trash. <laughs> so good. Got, I mean, Rui Hachimura is a nice little rookie, and Isaiah Thomas been hooping, but that's about it. Yeah, they trash. I feel sorry for that franchise. How you going? Like, they had such high hopes. You had John Wall. You signed him to that crazy contract that you shouldn't have. Oh, that was so irresponsible. Then you had 
Bradley Bill. Hey, shout out John Wall's agent. They have Marcin Gertat. Like, they had a nice little squad for a little while. Then John Wall had to go tears a Achilles. In the shower. Right, right after they paid him all the money. So, I, I think that franchise is kind of dead now. I don't think they'll get back to where they even were at one point. As far as performance in the Eastern Conference. And I think they kind of just need to rebuild and start over at this point. But I don't think they're going to be able to get rid of that John Wall contract. I'm surprised Bradley Beal doesn't want to get traded. Like, he definitely could at this point. And it seems like he would be a premier free agent. But that man re-signed. I was like, what? Yeah. You are crazy. That man was also trying to get paid, though. I I can't knock him for that. And also, D.C. is a beautiful city. Like, if you're not worried about winning a championship, I could definitely understand trying to get that offer. But maybe he's also trying to, you know, finesse one of those situations where you get a good contract and then you try to get traded after. I don't know. I think if... I'm in the Wizards front office, though. I'm definitely trying to trade Bradley Beal because that's the only asset I can leverage to get myself out of this horrible situation. And let this be a lesson to every other GM in the league. The Washington Wizards are a perfect example of what happens when you try to run it back too many times. Don't keep the same players year after year after year and then re-sign them to bigger and bigger contracts hoping that the results are going to somehow change. The Timberwolves may have already made this mistake. We have yet to see. It doesn't seem like that because Andrew Wiggins is picking it up, but it's also like, you know, Andrew Wiggins in the first 20 games. We'll, we'll see if the effort's there in February. And this could be the case for the Portland Trail Blazers too. We got to see how it plays out. But, you know, let this be a lesson. Don't keep running it back. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, they definitely need to learn from past mistakes and mistakes of other GMs. GMs need to be paying attention to that across the league. And with that being said, we're going to talk about this one last team, and then we'll probably end it here, the Bucks. Giannis is pretty much playing at an MVP level all over again. What are your thoughts on the Bucks, and do you think they got a chance to go all the way to the finals can they win the finals uh i don't think they can win the finals i think they'll be able to get there i think whoever they'll um end up playing would be the winner but i will say that Jonas is playing out of his mind he came back he kind of got it looks like he kind of got the three-point shot down now which is he's taking him just the scariest thing in the world um, as a defender so it's it's very interesting to see the man grow his game and how it just makes the Bucks that much better. They're already the, one of the best um, defensive teams in the league, and they got another All Star, Chris Middleton. He's super. I didn't awesome. even know they. I didn't even know they picked up uh, Wesley Matthews. They got a they got a nice little squad, and it's it's great to see that um, Divincio playing this year. Oh, Dante Divincio. Uh, yeah, Dante Divincio. He was. I was very high on him coming out of college. So yeah, it's great to see him get some minutes, and they got. Ilya Sova, and they, they got both the Lopez brothers. Yeah, they got both of them. I like that. I like Brooke. That's why I say I definitely think I can see them winning the East, but I don't think they'll be able to win when it comes to the NBA Finals because they're going to need another star, in my opinion, that's not like, that's better than a Chris Milton caliber player. Yeah, that's going to be tough. But dang, we'll see, man. We'll see how it wraps up. And with that being said, we're going to wrap it up right here 
right now. Thank you guys once again for tuning into another great episode of the NBA Clinic, and we out. Peace.